Okay. Hi, everyone. So today's daf is Shabbos, daf Samachay. We are on Samach Dalim with Bez. The four, uh, five lines from the bottom. Amarav Yehuda, Amarav. Okay, so new Gemara, new Sugya, Amarav Yehuda, Amarav. Komokim she'asru chacham evnei maras ha'ayin. Any place where Chazal made a gezera, that one cannot do something. And the reason behind this gezera was called maras ha'ayin, that people are going to see and they're going that you're doing something wrong, even if you're doing it in your own home, nobody sees you, just your own four walls, the halacha is, it's aser. Which means, anytime there's an example in Shas of Maris Ayin, it will be aser even b'chadri chadarm. So the Gemara said like this, Tanan, is that true? We looked at the Mishnah, the Mishnah, our, our parak, or the parak before, that an animal cannot go out, v'loi b'zog, afa pisha pakuk, that an animal cannot go out with a bell into Rishos Rabbim, even though you closed up the bell, it's not going to make noise, so there's no problem of making noise in Shabbos. The, the issue was that, that an onlooker is going to see you walking out with this cow, going to the market, seemingly going to sell it on Shabbos. So that's a, that's a uh, Maris Ayin. Yet, the Tanya Allah, and the, there was a Brisa that said on this Mishnah that although you can't go out you could close up the bell. You could let her walk around your ranch. As long as you're not going out, there's no problem. What do you mean? You just told me that Rav says, Nobody's around. Yet, over here it says you could walk your animal with the bell as long as you're on your own ranch, your own property. No problem. So the Gemara says, In fact, it's Machloikis Tanoim. The Tanoim went in a Brisa. This is in Beitza. We're going to have it later on as well. You could spread out your your uh, wet clothing to dry out Bahama in the sun. You can hang it up on your uh, clothing line. But not where people could see it. Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Shimon, Oyster, and Rabbi Eliezer, Rabbi Shimon say that it's Usr. Now, what's the concern? Now, people are going to assume that you washed it on Shabbos. So, therefore, you want cannot hang up his clothing to dry. People are going to assume he washed in the Shabbos. Tanakama holds, as long as you do it in your own laundry room, no problem. As long as you obviously washed it on Friday, you forgot to hang up your towel. So you hang up your wet towel from your washing machine, you hang it up on Shabbos, on your line in your basement, no problem. Come along, Rabbi Lezer, Rabbi Shimon, they say it's Usr. Even, why? Even though it's, it's, uh, it's inside, nobody can see it. There's a problem of the things that are Usr. Uh, things that are prohibited, Mishamaris Ayin, they are Usr, even Bechadre Chadarim. Okay. Just, so this is just a classic Machlekes. Now, how do we pass? Look at Taisa. Taisa says that uh, he brings down this, the other Sugis and Shas. What do we say? So it's a complicated halachic Sugis, this concept of Maris Ayin. When we do say Maris Ayin, when we don't say Maris Ayin, this is, uh, there's another question that here the Gemara uh, says that. The Chachamim said it's Asr. What if on our own, do we make our own Maris Ayans? Do we say that, that, uh, that you know, something doesn't look good, so we call it Maris Ayan? Many of the Achorinim say we don't create our own Maris Ayans. If it's not found in Shas, we found a few already. We had Hanukkah candles, lighting it, you know, in certain places. Uh, but there are, you don't make up your own Maris Ayans. For example... As a person allowed to shave, you're allowed to use an electric shaver, even though it's going to get very, uh, 
you know, it's, it's going to look like you used a razor. There's no MRSI in there. Why? Because people know that, uh, that their electric shavers exist. So we, in fact, have many applications of MRSI, and we're, this is not really our sugya, just touching upon it. This machlekes keeps coming up throughout Shas, this concept of Marasai and the concept of Bechabi Chadarm. So we'll, uh, we'll leave it for another time. Okay. Then the mission, we are two lines from the top on Samachhe Amir Aleph. Okay? And the Mishnah said if a woman has a moich, a piece of cloth, cotton sheba azna, in her ear, so the Mishnah said she could go out with it. Tani Rami bar The only time you're allowed to go out with that is if it's tied in her ear. But if it's not tied, if it's if it's if it's uh, if it's just there, if it's just put there, then it might fall out on Shabbos. You're going to pick it back up. So you'd have your concern of of carrying on Shabbos. Then the Mishnah says, "Uva moich Shabbos sandala," and you had this cloth in your sandal in your shoe. Tani rami by yecheskel v'hu shekasher la besandala. It's only when it is tied onto your into your shoe. The Shulchan Aruch brings down the let's say it's not. Specific, it's not actually tied to your shoe, but your but the Gemara here is talking about a sandal. A sandal was open toe. It was a uh, it was a sandal. What if you have a shoe that's closed, like a regular sneaker or shoe, and you want to wear a an insert or insole, whatever these things are called? So even if it's not taped on or tied on, halach is you're allowed to wear it since there's no concern it's going to fall out. So a person, let's say you have a. Uh, um, I'm sorry, I'm, the term is slipping my mind. You have one of those things, you put, in your, you put in your shoes, you're allowed to put those in on Shabbos. We're not concerned, it's going to slip out. Next. Then the Mishnah said, you have a Mech that a woman would, would uh, have in order to catch her Damnida. So that is also allowed, one is allowed, she's allowed to wear that on Shabbos. Now, Maybe the same halacha that we just said before, when it came to the ear, when it came to the to the sandal, the moich had to be tied onto something. So to here, maybe it should only be if it's tied, if it's fastened onto something. So Amarava, Rava says, even though it's not kashala, it's not tied onto her. Meaning, if, even if it would fall out, she wouldn't carry it on Shabbos. So let it fall out, and it will fall out. But she's not going to be carrying it on Shabbos. Let's say she, there was a handle on it, like, so you could actually hold on to it without getting your hands dirty. Mahu, Amarlei. He said, "Mutter, it's mutter. It's manami. I'm Rav Nachman. I'm Oishia. I'm Rav Yud. I'm Rav Yechon. Asala beisiad mutter. That if you uh, if you made a beisiad for it, it would be mutter. So that's the halacha that a moich sheskin alone lenidasa. That a moich that was there for, for to catch the the damnida, that would be mutter to walk out on Shabbos. So just." In, in practical terms, halacha lemaisa. If a woman is wearing a pad, so a few things. First of all, typically those are fastened onto the baguette, and there would not be a problem. That's kishurla, tip, the way they're typically worn. There's a discussion regarding a woman who does a moich dachak. Let's say a woman is doing a hefsiktara either Friday night or matzah shabbos, and she she's doing a moich. So. The question is, if you live in a place where there's a Rosh Hashanah, can a woman walk out with that? So they're the Paiskim Armachim, because there, the, the, the purpose of that is not to protect the woman from getting dirty. It's there to do a halachic bedika. So there, a person should not walk out with that in Rosh Hashanah on Shabbos. So this is usually Japanish Moshes when a woman would do that. If someone needs to go somewhere, 
So there are eights involved, there are shilas to be asked, but typically we would be machmer. There is a contemporary shila in the, last, in the, in the past few years, so there's a new contraception called a nuvering. A nuvering is a, a ring that, that has uh, hormones in it that is placed inside a woman's body. So, so the place can discuss a few shilas when it comes to a nuvering. So one of them would be, is there a chatzitza? If one goes to the mikvah with a nuvering, so halach is there is, there is no chatzitza. Some place will say take it out before they go to the mikvah. Additionally, when it comes to carrying on Shabbos, I, I haven't seen anyone as machmer, because there it's in a makam belu, it's part of the body. Let's say a person had a, uh, had, had, some, had, a, had a plate put into their, to their ankle or something. That's considered part of your body. It's inside the body. So a nuvering would definitely not be an issue of carrying. Many place can hold, there's no problem of chatzitz, even the chatzila. Um, so that does come up, but that is uh, also based on this gemara, this concept of when would it be a problem, when it would not be a problem of walking with, that, with, with this on Shabbos. Okay, next. It's better than like a temporary dental thing because it's more inside the body than just the mouth. You talking about for chatzitza or for Shabbos? I guess both. So, yes. There's three areas. Let's talk about chatzitza. There's three areas of, of the body. There is something called, you know, the, your external. A person is wearing a ring. So that would be a chatzitza of an external chatzitza. There's something called a makin bulua, which is internally in the body. Let's say a pacemaker. A pacemaker can't be a chatzitza. It's inside your body. You can't, you can't get to mix for water to that. So that nobody argues. Another example, by the way, of internal part, Rebelski, that's how held a Keurig machine, the, the heating element or any coffee machine, the heat element is so inside you cannot get to it by putting in the mikvah so there's no point in titling it you, you're never going to get water unless you plug it plug it in turn it on and run and, and and get all the things to open up you're not getting water into the heating element by just submerging your coffee machine into the mikvah so that's the other extreme called the makan balua where it's so internal that but however a mouth or or you know the, the outer part of your your nose your armpits are called a base, uh, a base hastarim, meaning there are times when it, the Mishnah says sometimes it's open, sometimes it's closed. So therefore, a mouth would be more machmir, and therefore halacha is that's why you have shilas, with, you know, regarding fillings and crowns and temporary stuff because there, it's not a makin balua. It's your mouth. You open it to eat. You open it to talk. So over there, there are shilas when it comes to chatzitza. Again, there's different uh, eitzes involved. How long you're keeping it in, uh, you know, whatever. You ask a shiloh for a minute. Most women will go through, you have a shayla once in their life, if they have crowns, so they'll ask a shayla regarding chatitza. Now what about Shabbos? So when it comes to items in the mouth on Shabbos, we will get to that in, uh, in the next Mishnah. So hold on, Chaim, we'll get to walking around with a retainer on Shabbos, um, you know, a mouth guard, so we'll talk about that soon. All right, let's keep going. Okay. Rab Yoichanon, nothing behula be midrasha. So now, we said a bunch of halachas regarding these things that they should be tied. However, Rab Yoichanon, he went to the base medrash and it seems like he would walk by a rishus rabim, the chalukan alav chaveroi, and he would walk around with this moich sheba azna. He walked around with a, a cotton in his ear, and everyone would argue with him. Rav nafik, Rav went out lekarmelis, the chalukan alav kol doyre, and. His whole generation, they argued on him. They said, "What are you doing? You're not allowed to walk out with it on Shabbos unless it's tied." So the Gemara says, "How could Rabbi Yechonah do this? 
the the Tana taught us, Rami Bayacheska said, Vhusha Kashalabaz has to be tied. Right? That's that was everyone's question. So the Gemara says like Kasha. Ha, when did Abiachan go out? Dimi Hadak. It was it was stuck in tightly and therefore there was no concern that it was going to fall out. When does it have to be tied? When there's a concern it's going to fall out. When there's no concern it's going to fall out, you're allowed to walk around with a cotton in the air. Next. The pilpul of a galgal melech. So a woman is allowed to walk out with, with pilpul. She has some type of spices, ube galgal melech, a, a clump of salt. So the says, palpul l'rei and galgal melech l'darshini. So the, this pilpul was there to, to uh, remove bad breath, and the galgal was also there for l'darshini, uh, some type of tooth sickness. It was there to heal it. So theoretically, if someone came up with a, a device, you know, like a Listerine, uh, what do you call it? Um, uh, pocket packs? Not pocket packs, but let's say you had something that would emit good smell every two minutes, so it was in your mouth and it would just uh, spray out fresh breath, so that would be what this, what this Mishnah says. But I think Listerine pocket packs would be different. You, person, you swallow it, so you should just finish that prior to walking outside on Shabbos. Next, Shane, here we go. This is uh, Chaim's question with all these uh, mouth devices. The Mishnah said, Shane, Tvesevis, Shane, Shilzav. You have all these different types of teeth. Rabbi Mater, Rechamu Eisrin. So, Amar Abzeira, Loishanu Ela Shilzav. This is only the only uh, time the Chacham or Machmir is talking about a golden tooth. Why? Since a golden tooth was considered fancy, so she might take it out and show her friend. Okay? Avo Bishal Kasef, but if it was silver, Everyone would agree that it's mutter to walk out with an Shabbos since she's not going to go now and show it to her friend. So when it comes to the, the, the silver one, everyone holds his mutter, but the gold one, that is the machlekes. So just by the way, Sechaim, we'll get into your question. What you know, items that are put in the mouth can be walked out with on Shabbos? So it's really a practical question. Anything that people do not take out, any... Any, any time, for sure a mutter. So braces and crowns, anything that any dental work that you do, there's no question regarding Shabbos. The only question really is things that people take out of the mouth from time to time. Sometimes people take out a retainer, so it, or, or dentures. So it depends. If every time you're wearing it, you're in pain and you're trying to get it out, so then I would not recommend walking out with that on Shabbos. It could be borderlines on Usr that you might remove it in Rishos, again, in Rishos If you live in a place with an Arif, you could carry, uh, you know, your, 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 your coffee, you could carry your retainer as well. But let's say a person always removes it every five minutes, they're taking it out. First of all, it's disgusting, but second of all, you should not walk out with that on Shabbos. Uh, Let's say a person's a ball player. They wear those mouth guards. So I don't know what they're going to do. When the NBA and NFL return, are they going to be touching their mouth guards all the time with this new uh, social distancing? But whenever uh, the NBA returns, you'll see that a lot of the basketball players are busy playing around with their mouth guards all the time. They take it in, put it out. So let's say a person was, uh, was doing that on Chavez. If you're wearing that, so that's something that somebody would, would take out you would not be allowed to, to go out in the street wearing that. What about dentures? So it depends how they're used. If people use it, if they leave it in all the time, no problem. But if they're constantly taking it out, you, you definitely have a question regarding Shabbos. So it's, a, it's something to keep in mind that if a person, as long as a person keeps it in for, for a significant amount of time, they leave it in for davening, they leave it in for most of the day, so then they could walk out with it on Shabbos. But if they're always taking it off, taking it out, definitely something to consider. Okay. That is your mouthpiece uh, 
part of the daf. Amar Abaya. Abaya said like this. Now that we uh, went through most of the parak of Amaisha, there are three times where we said that since someone has a has a reason not to show something to their friend because it's a gnai, it's gonna look it's gonna be disgraceful for them to show something to their friend. We are Mako and we allow them to walk out with it on Shabbos. So who's which three of these those Amar Abaya, it's Rebbe, Rebbe Lezer, Rebbe Shimon Ben Alazar. who they all hold the Khomidi, the Meganya anything that's embarrassing or, or disgraceful for a woman, Layasa La she's not gonna go now and show it to her friend. And therefore, there's no concern for that. So if the whole concern of wearing jewelry, all these other things, was because of she's going to go show her friend, there are three times where these various Tanam said that this does not apply. So Rebbe, when did Re- what did Rebbe say? Rebbe said, there's no need to show, no one's showing their teeth. Like today, we would understand, no one's showing their teeth to their friends. If they have a tooth issue, and they have a golden tooth, they're going to keep it inside. Again, there are some... Uh, Rappers, hip-hop, you know, they have their uh, golden teeth. Maybe they would show it to their friends. But for most people, it's a gnai to be showing your color, your, your teeth to your friends. That is Rebbe. Rebbe Eliezer, the Tanya, Rebbe Lezer, we learned in a bright, Rebbe Lezer, Poiter, Bikoyveles. Rebbe Lezer holds that you're, you're, you're allowed to... Uh, he says it's mutter, actually. We said potter, but it means it's mutter to walk out with a kaivelas and Shabbos. The kaivelas was this... was like a necklace that had uh, these spices in it. To make her smell good, or you had this a parsim on the balsam oil. Now, why were they allowed to walk out with it on Shabbos according to Because they would never show it to their friend. If you're showing it, that that, that shows that you smell. So. It's another example of a reason. Someone has a reason not to show it to their friend. So we have two. We have the golden tooth, Rebbe, and then we have Tzloichis Shabayotin and the Kavelas Rebbe Eliezer. We have one more, Abshimim and Elazar. We, we have this uh, sheet of Rav Shimon Alazar, the Tani Mutan Rabbaisa, Klal Amar, Rav Shimon Alazar, Kol Shulamata Menasavacha, anything that's underneath the hat, Yoytzeba, one could go out with Shabbos, since they, they would typically not take off their hat, because that would be a gnai for a woman, a married woman, to show off her hair. So there was no concern she was going to do that on Shabbos, but Lamala Menasavacha, but if it's on top of the hat, so then she doesn't have to uncover her hair. She cannot go out on Shabbos. So we have a three times where we can take into consideration this concept of genai. That will be a genai for someone to show something, whether it's their tooth, whether it's that they smell, or the third thing is that they're going to show their hair in, in public. Uh, so therefore, they are allowed to wear these things on Shabbos. Okay, next Mishnah. The Mishnah says, Yoytzah she could go out with a, a sella. A sella is a coin. She al hatzinus. The Gemara is going to ask, "What is this tina?" So we won't, we won't uh, give you the spoiler yet. Bonos ketanis yotzes bechutin. These young girls go out with these chutin, these threads. Vaafilu bekismin shebaz nan. So what the Mishnah is talking about, like this, that they used to pierce the girls' ears. Again, t- they do today as well. But usually, when a when a girl gets her ears pierced, she's getting a uh, earring there. But what they did was they would pierce the ear when they were young. I guess it wouldn't hurt as much or they wouldn't complain. And they would put something there to keep the hole. Now there were two things. They, could, they either used chutin, which are nice threads, and a filu kismin, even if they just put a piece of wood, a, a splinter, a toothpick, they're, they're, they, for the young girls, that's their earrings. Okay? So they're allowed to go out with it on Shabbos. We're not concerned uh, for anything. And we're not concerned that it's a masoi. No, for them it looks nice. Not showing it off to their friend. It's nothing special, but it's still an ornament for them. It looks nice, so they're allowed to wear it on Shabbos. Arbiyos, you have these Arabian women. They could go out yotzeis They go out with their, with the the the, the head wrapping. 
umadiyas, the women from Madai, could go out prupois. They would also be able to go out with some type of uh, uh, baguette that was tied on, going up to their necks. So all these things, they're allowed to go out on Shabbos. Now the way they did these prupois was they would, they would uh, use some type of nut here we go. Some, something to hold uh, as a button, like a makeshift button. They used a nut. We're gonna, the Gemara is going to ask what they, what they used to use. Actually, this Mishnah talks about it. So they could use some type of thing to, uh, to fasten their cloak up until their neck. Now, the Mishnah says, even though we singled out Arabian women and Modiyos women, halach is v'cholodam. Anyone could do it. Any woman could do this. They could walk out like that. The Chacham gave you the typical case. Now, by the way, the Achorinim point out that let's say you live in a society where nobody wears this. So then it's Purim. Then, then you have the same problem of a person wearing one shoe or a person wearing a Purim costume on Shabbos. There's a concern that people are going to look at them funny and they're going to get embarrassed and take it off. So therefore, it's only when it's somewhat accepted in that society to wear this. But to go to a certain place where they don't dress like that obviously would not be allowed. But assuming people do that, so no problem. You can go out with your, uh, your fastened cloak, with your head covering, no problem. Now, So a woman could, on Shabbos, she could take a, a rock, a nut, or a coin. So that could be used to, to close your your um, cloak together on Shabbos. Again, this is what I'm showing. Uh, except, but you shouldn't do a lechatchila. You shouldn't fasten a lechatchila on Shabbos. So we're going to explain in the Gemara what exactly does this mean when it says you could fasten it, but you can't really do it on Shabbos. So, might, so let's go back to the beginning of the Mishnah. So here we go in the Gemara. The Gemara is going on the first part of the Mishnah. The Mishnah said, Yoytzah. A woman could go out with a sela that's on the tzinus. So my tzinus, what is this tzinus? What is a sela? So the Gemara says, Bas ara. You had a, uh, a, um, a wound underneath your foot on your sole, and therefore you wanted to tie something onto it to heal it. We're going to see how exactly the sela, the coin, healed your soul, but you... Uh, you put it on your soul, and that's what healed. So the Mishnah says you're allowed to go out with it on Shabbos. So now the Gemara is going to ask, why did you have to specifically, you know, take a coin and, and tie it onto your foot in order to get healed on Shabbos? So why specifically did you use a sela? Why did you use a sela? So the Gemara says, You need a hard substance, uh, surface, and that's going to help you. So just take a, a shard of cheres or you know pottery and put that on your foot why do you need to use a coin now why what's the problem of using a coin first of all it costs gelt and second of all it's uh, it's muksa on shabbos why are you be using a coin why can't you use something else ella mishum shukta because of the moisture the coins had moisture again you look in the rishonim what, what type of moisture they were talking about we would assume it's you know people's sweat that was sheared you know when this quarter got passed around but the gemara says it's some moisture coming out of the the silver coins and that's what was beneficial for refuah, for healing. So the says, really silly, just take a plate of silver, a piece of silver. Why do you need a coin? Why, do you have to, why does it have to be currency? You need the tzura, you need the picture of it. And, uh, and since you need the picture of it, some way, somehow, the picture itself would, would heal. 
So this gets into the discussion of Darche and Moiri, which is tomorrow's daf, a little bit, talking about you know, all these different types of things people would do for, for uh, medicine, for healing. So it seems like that the tzura itself, just the image on the coin, that would heal. So the Gemara says, Avid la pulsa. So just use a, a, a piece of wood and etch out some type of tzura on it and put that on the wound. So, we need all three together. I need to have something hard, something moist, and something with a tzura. So the easiest thing is a coin. You're right, I can take a wooden piece, but that's not going to be moisture. And it's not hard. If I take the cheres, it's hard to etch out a picture on the cheres. That is why I need a coin, because a coin has all three of these things. Uh, all three things help for refuah. Just by the way, the place can discuss on today's daf and tomorrow's daf, the concept of alternative medicine. So we're going to get into this tomorrow. There's a question in halacha. Is there a problem of darche and moiri? When a person does something that is not, that is not uh, typical scientific medicine, is that a problem of darche and moiri? So Rav Ashwais has a tshuva on this in his recent book, but it's, it's a Hebrew tshuva. He just wrote it in English. Again, discussing, there's two questions here. Question number one is, can, is there any iser? There's a, there's, there's a there's a concept of darche emari. A person's not allowed to act in the ways of the emarim. So, so, uh, so the question was, let's say some of these uh, alternative medicine, you have the, uh, the healer is uh, sending good energy or vibes through different parts of your body, and through that you're getting healed. So first of all, is that a problem of Darche Amari, of some type of Avodazara? So Russia Weiss says that no, it's not a problem because uh, they're, they're, they're relying on natural powers. Their whole premise is not supernatural powers. They're trying to tap into powers of nature. So it's just fascinating discussion. I know Ravelsky, the was Machmer, he thought that these things would be Darche Amari. But Ravashawai says, no, that's only when they're, they're applying supernatural powers. But anything that they assume is part of nature, that is not Darche Amari. He doesn't believe in this whole thing, but he said, if you ask me if it's Usser, I cannot tell you it's Usser. Again, sometimes people are desperate and they'll try anything. There's another question, which we won't say, halacha lamaisa, depends which place you ask, is regarding, let's say someone's taking something that's not medically proven. They're, they're taking, a, I don't know, homeopathic uh, medicine. You look at the ingredients, it's basically garlic that was uh, shaken up a few times, and now they, it's supposed to heal, I don't know, strep throat or something. So, two questions. Can you take it on Shabbos? Let's say there's a... Uh, can you take it on Shabbos? Is, is it Rafua? Or maybe it's not Rafua anyway, so you might as well take it. It's like taking apples on Shabbos. Another question that does come up on my desk is people ask me a kashrus question. So if someone asks you a kashrus question, so assuming there are, let's say there would be a traif ingredient in there. So depending on the tzarech of the patient, one can sometimes be mekel. There's a whole discussion in Shulchan Aruch that if, it's, uh, if someone eats something, it's not the typical way to eat it. If they're a chayla, it's mutter. Right? But only if it's refua, only if this thing heals. <laughs> what if it doesn't heal? What if it's baloney? So can a, per, can a paisik be makel and tell someone, yeah, you could take this medicine, assuming this is called refua, even though it's treif, it's shalakaderach achilasai, because whatever, let's say assume taking a pill is shalakaderach achilasai, yeah, but it's not refua, it's uh, homeopathic. So it's a good shayla. I will not tell you the psak. Usually it doesn't come up. Usually the homeopathic stuff are not treif. They're usually just water or ethanol or garlic. So uh, typically they're not made out of trefus, but you could theoretically have a shayla like that where you're, you're throwing your arms up in the air. I, I can only rely on the ramah. The ramah says refua is mutter. I don't know if this is refua. This is uh, homeopathic, whatever. So it's a very interesting question. 
it uh, definitely needs more more than just a, a tidbit on the daf. But a fascinating question. It's based on this Gemara. It's based on another Gemara on Samachvav. Uh, and Samach Zion as well, Darche Amari. So uh, we'll continue this, this conversation in Merit Hashem. Okay, next. So the Mishnah said that girls could go out bechutin, they go out with these uh, strings in their ears. Avu so, Shmuel. So now we have a famous story of Avu Shmuel and his chinuch tips for his girls. So, Halka, very interesting. So, Avu Shmuel, he didn't allow them to go out with these chutin on Shabbos. We'll see why. And he didn't let them sleep together in the same bed. Uh, so in the days of Nisan, which is the springtime, he made mikvois for them. We're going to see all these things in a moment. And in the days of Tishrei, he made mapatze, some type of kanim uh, uh, reeds, that were woven together so they could step on them when they would go to the mikvah in the river. Okay, so let's do one thing at a time. First thing, this is why it's brought in Argamar. Argamar was talking about chutin, the strings they would wear to keep their ears pierced. So they used to walk either with strings, and the Mishnah said even with a, um, a splinter, they could go out with them in Shabbos. But Avua the Shmuel, the father of Shmuel, didn't let Shmuel's sisters go out with these in Shabbos. So the Gemara says, but our Mishnah said, They could go out with chutin. So the Gemara says, They would paint it. They would make it look nice. Since it would make it look nice, so although, yeah, you're right. You're, the Chiddush of the Mishnah was, this is considered an ornament. It's not, it's not a schlep to walk around with it. The problem is, yours is too nice. The daughters of Shmuel had such nice uh, threads for their ears, then it became in the same category of jewelry. And you have the same concern that she might go show her friend. That is... Halacha number one. Halacha number two. He didn't allow them to sleep with each other. So the Gemara says, why not? Lema, maybe Messiah the Ravuna, it's a raya, it's a proof to Ravuna. Women that literally rub, rub against each other. So, although technically they still have a din of a basula, so Rashi and Samachem and Beis Tap Rashi, that there's a concept that a claim God does not want to marry a basula. So, so I would think. It means as long as she's a basula, uh, I'm sorry, kind of has to marry a basula. As long as she's a basula, so he's allowed to marry her. So this chiddush of Rav Huna, which we actually do not pass like that, Rav Huna says that uh, that a, uh, a a a a girl who w- was with another woman, she is puzzle the kind gadol. Okay, so maybe. The father of Shmuel held like that, and that's why, even though in Shmuel's days there was no kain gadol, but you see the the concept that this is not something to be done. So maybe that's why he held like that. So the says, "Lord, no, that's not true. That's not why he doesn't hold like, like uh, Ravuna." There was a different reason why. Savar, he, th- he said the reason why he didn't allow his daughters to, to be with each other is since they're going to get accustomed to feeling a, a, a body that's not theirs, then there's going to be a taiva for men. And therefore, he said this should, not be, this should not be done. And that was why he made sure his daughters did not stay with each, with each other. If you look in Shulchan Aruch and Simon Chaf, Evan Ezra Simon Chaf, he brings from the Rambam, famous Rambam. The Rambam says that it's not just because of this concern. It's actually a kash in the Gemara. But the Rambam says, if you look in the Parsh of Arayas, Parsh of Achimoyes, there's a pasuk of Kemaisei Eretz Mitzrayim, that there are certain activities that are called Kemaisei Eretz Mitzrayim, 
and a woman being with another woman is an iser, a violation of, of that. Look in Shulchan Aruch, Simen Chaf, Siv Beis, in Chelek Evan Ezer, clearly iser, iser der Raisa. Uh, we do not give Malkus, uh, 39 Malkus, and it's just Malkus Marduk, that's because it's Lavsha Bechlolois, but that's just a specific detail, but it's iser der Raisa. So interesting why, why Shmuel was concerned for this. So I think the answer is that that is talking about, not to get so graphic, but that with that, that halacha is discussing when they're doing something kederach tashmish. Here, he was just saying, don't sleep with each other in the same bed. Just so another concern, not the actual Misa. Of course not, he wasn't concerned for that. He was concerned that he's going to feel the warmth of another, of another body, and that is why he did not allow them to sleep in the same bed. Next, next, next halacha is a fascinating halacha. comes up, and what he would do is he would make a mikvah for them during the days of Nisan. So what is going on here? Messiah it's a proof to Rav. So just a little background before we get into Rav and the proofs. We have a, we have just a few more lines in the Gemara. So it's Kedai once in a while to go through the halachas of mikvahs. So if you learn, if you look in the Pesukim by by mikvahs, there are two types of bodies of bodies of water that are called that that create tahar. There's actually three, but we'll get to we'll, we'll discuss two. One is called a mayon. A mayon is a spring, a natural source of water, and that is called a mayon. Then you have something else called a mikvah, your classic mikvah, which is, as the Pasuk says, ubar mikveh mayim. It's a bar. It's a pit, and it's collected rainwater in a pit. What's the difference? There are many differences in halacha. We'll just focus on one specific detail, that a bar, a mikvah, has to be ba'ashboyrin. Like the term bar, ashboyrin means it has to be in a hole. That means that the water cannot be flowing. It has to be stationary. Your classic mikvah cannot be flowing. You have questions of if the filter is going while I'm toiling. Many shilas. But it has to be a stationary body of water. That's called a mikvah. That's called a bar. That means if the water is moving, let's say every time you dip in, the water goes out. The water is always moving. Halacha is that's called zoichlin. That's called schila. It's called flowing. We know halacha l'moishim isinai. That zechila is puzzle. It puzzles a mikvah. We hold zechila puzzles a mikvah. If a mikvah is flowing, it's puzzle. That's regarding a mikvah. What about a mayan? You have a spring. You go to the Arizal's mikvah in Svat. Okay, that's a spring. The water is pumping out. It's pumping. What's the halacha? We know zechila is is kosher when it comes to a mayan. If you if you have spring, if you have a live spring, then even if it's moving, it's kosher. That's its natural state. All fine and dandy. Okay, so your classic community mikvah is a bar. It's a mikvah. It should not be flowing. If it's flowing, you got a problem. We could figure out halachically if the filter is considered flowing or not because it's called zechila hachizeris. It comes back. Fascinating shilas and halacha if if uh, someone tivled with the filter on, again, for men, it's not a big deal, but let's say you tivled a keli with the, with the, with the filter on, you tivled a woman tivled with, with the filter on, all these different halachas. That is question number one. That's your typical bar, no problem. And by typical, uh, mayan is my arizal mikvah, it's a spring. What if I have something that has a little bit of both? I have a river. So how does a river have both? We're going to assume for now that a river is, is uh, situated on top of a mayan, a natural spring where the water comes out. Additionally, the rainwater gets collected in this river. Every time it rains, you have uh, the, riv- the riverbed gets higher, right? So the question is, 
is that called a mikvah or is that called a maya? Now, what's the difference? Well, it's flowing. The, the, the Mississippi River will take a trip there one day. It's, it's flowing, right? It's flowing. It keeps flowing. So it's zoichlini. The water keeps moving. Can I toivel in the Mississippi River or not? Nafkamina, halacha lamaisa, he had many communities throughout the, throughout the generations. They did not have a kosher mikvah or the kosher mikvah was illegal. Can you toivel in a river? Well, let's say today, your, your kela mikvah is closed. Can I toivel this kela in a river? Now, by the way, a lake and the oceans are a totally different discussion. But a river, that's the question. So let's figure it out. Is it it's definitely Zaychan. The question is, is it called a Mayan or is it called a Mikvah? It has a lot of rainwater, but there's a spring. So this is, in fact, a Machlekes right in this Gemara. So let's see. Isn't every, isn't every lake, I would say, wouldn't every lake be Zaychan? Because there's an out. Yes. So, so um, if there's an inlet and an outlet, so it could be it's Zeichlin, but there's a lot to discuss there. First of all, any large body of water has a din of a yam, and there's a gzeras akasav, I'm probably reading the Pasuk wrong, but there's a gzeras akasav that a yam is kasher afilu bezeichlin. Any large body of water, even if it's moving, then that's fine. As long as it's not a river. A river is the entire water is moving. It's different than a, than a, than a lake. We'll discuss it at a different time. If someone just dams off a river and creates a man-made lake, but it's still flowing, that would be considered a river. But most lakes are natural bodies of water that Rabelsky that's not held, he passed in many times for different camping trips, that your classic lake is a kosher mikvah, no problem. Okay. So what about your, your river? So, so what happened was the father of Shmuel, Avu the Shmuel, Avuluhu Mikvah Biyaminisan, he would make a mikvah for his daughters, Biyaminisan, meaning he built the mikvah during the days of Nisan. He didn't even allow them to go to the river. So he had to do construction, build a mikvah. Why is that? What's special about Nisan? So Nisan's the end of the rainy season. Messiah the Rav, it's a riot to Rav, Dama Rav. Rav said, Mitra Bimarava. When it's raining in Eretz Yisrael, Sahada Rabba Pras, that the biggest proof, the Sahada, the Adas to this, that the fact that it's raining in Eretz Yisrael is the Pras, is the Euphrates River. So they would look at the Euphrates River, they lived in Babel, if they saw the Euphrates River was overflowing, they said, ah, Baruch Hashem, it must be raining in Eretz Yisrael. So therefore, what did he hold? Savar, the father of Shmuel, held, since we're just, we're post-rainy season, so the rain, there's going to be more rain than the natural water of the river. And if you have more rain than spring water, more rainwater than spring water, and it's moving, it's possible. So you cannot go to a lake, cannot use a river after after there was a heavy rain. So in Chaydash Nisan already, that they see the Euphrates River was so high, he had to make mikvahs for them. Okay? That is the opinion of Avu the Shmuel. Now, Opliga the Shmuel, he argues on his son. Shmuel held, Amar Shmuel Nahara Mekife Mibruch, Mibaruch, that the water comes out from a kipe, from the internal water source. Anytime it rains, there's a Gemara and Tainus, there's a lot to discuss in this. We spent in Kyle maybe three, four weeks in this Gemara. There's a, uh, there's, there's a uh, concept you find in the Gemara that anytime it rains, that milamata from earth, water comes up as well. You figure out the water system. But either way, Shmuel holds that even if you see an abundance of rain, nahara mikefe mibarach, the rain comes up from the inside of the, of, the, of the land, which is the spring. And even if you see lots of rainwater, you're still allowed to use the mikvah. You're still allowed to use the river. 
Upligi di day di day. It's actually machlekes shmuel on himself. Dama shmuel shmuel says somewhere else. Ena mayim etarim bezayichlin that you cannot use a a uh, the rate, uh, river water when it's moving. Ela pras only the Euphrates biyomi tishri bavad in tishri, not a Nissan. So we're all confused here. Avu the shmuel didn't go with his son Shmuel, and Shmuel himself argues on himself. Now there's, by the way, two things to pull out from this Gemara. One thing is how do we paskin? The Shulchan Aruch paskins, this is Simon Reish Aleph in Yeridea, Hilchus Mavois, Sif Beis. The Shulchan Aruch says, we paskin like the Avu of the Shmuel and many of the other Tana and Amiram, that one is not allowed to use a river. We are concerned that Rabu Hanoitvin Avazoichlin, and therefore using a river is puzzle. One is not allowed to use a river. And comes along the Ramah, the Ramah says, That's the, That's the way we should be noyeg. However, he brings from Rabbeinu Tam, and it's the Minog and Ashkenaz, that for many centuries they did not have mikvais, they relied on Shmuel and his other opinions. Again, this is just one place. There's a lot to discuss before we get to Allah Lamaisa. We're skipping a lot. But he said there was a Minog in Klai Yisrael for many, many years. They would always be, they would use rivers if there was no mikvah available. That is the sheet of Rabbeinu Tam, paskening like this opinion of Shmuel, that we always say, Nara mechipe nevarich, that the river comes on its own, and therefore, b'di'evet, if a person is stuck somewhere, the Ramah says it's mutter. Halach we will try to give a different etza, but... For uh, Ashkenazim, sometimes you hear stories. I, I once went to Ukraine, and we went to the Balshemtus Mikvah, and it was in the river, right? But that—that's what they used. Again, that was a—that was a, a man. The Balshemtus was using a mikvah, but I'm sure some women used the mikvah there also, based on the opinion of the Ramah. And the other halacha, by the way. So, the other thing the father of Shmuel did was he made a. Uh, uh, so he allowed them to use the river in Tishrei because that was the end. Of, there was no rain. So from Nisan until Tishrei, the summer months, there's no rain. So when, when Tishrei came along, he said, okay, there's no more rain here. Whatever water is in the river, that's the natural river. You're allowed to title there. So it said he made these mapatze, he made these like uh, baskets that they could put their feet into the order of the mikvah. We learned many halachas from this. It's interesting. The Gemara skips it here. We'll see this in the Dharam Mirza Shem. A few things. First of all, there's a concern that if a person's tiveling with muddy, muddy, uh, in, in, in a muddy area, their feet are going to get full of mud prior to going to the mikvah, and they're going to be a chatzitza. Now, when does this come up? If it come up once in a while, Rabbanim have these shilas. We had a shaila a couple years ago where someone called my friend, he's a rav, so he called him, and, and this family went to Croatia or something for Pesach, and the woman's mikvah night came out first night of Pesach, okay? And there's no mikvah in the hotel. So there are a few shilas there. One shilah was going early on Erev Yantif. That's one shilah. But additionally, where are you going? So they were going to, I forgot which ocean it is, uh, some ocean, right? So there's a lot of questions there. First of all, you're allowed to wear chatzitza shilas. Additionally, how do you practically go to a mikvah, make sure your feet don't get muddy? So the Gemara says, well, he used to use some mapatze. So a croc's good. There's another another halacha that you're not allowed to go on kalim because you're not allowed to toivel on kalim. So many, many shilas do come up from this concept of mapatze biyame tishrei. So I'll spare you and we'll finish the daf. Okay. Then the Mishnah said, pyrefes, that, that a woman could, could fasten her, her, her clothing. Al ha'evin, you could use some type of stone or egoiz. 
You could do that on Shabbos until, uh, but, but you're not allowed to do it on Shabbos. The Gemara says, hold on a second. So it's very confusing. The Mishnah says parefes, you could do it. Then the Bible says, well, that you don't do it on Shabbos. What are you talking about? So I'm When do we say you cannot do it on Shabbos? That's talking about the coin. When it comes to the rock or when it comes to the nut, those are not muksa. The rock, you could set it aside that this rock will always be a rock for a button. But coins... You, you want the coin, you want the coin back. You know, the truth is some people use coins, I don't think it's in style anymore, but years ago, I remember, people would have uh, cufflings. They had coins on it, you know, shekel or nickels as cufflings. So there, everyone clearly sees that you're not using it anymore. It's not going to be currency. But in those days, if you took a coin and fastened it, you know it's going to go back to being a coin. So that's what the Gemara says. Let's say her child is outside in Rosh Hashanah. He's in the street and he's hungry. He wants... I don't know, he wants a walnut. He can't carry it on Shabbos to Rosh Hashanah. Can the mother have a great idea? She used the walnut as a button or as a... Uh, to, to fasten something, you squeeze it in. And when she gets to the kid... The, the child will take the walnut. So the Gemara says, There's a whole sugya when it comes to saving things from a fire on Shabbos. The question is, can a person be marim? Can he wear three jackets when you don't need it? You just want to be marim. You want to you take it out. Like a, a marim is like a trick. You're doing harama to be able to take it out. So either way, it's a shiloh. When it comes to the fire, I would say, when it comes to the fire, it makes sense to be more makele by the fire, as we had this svara before. If I'm not makele by the fire, I don't let the person take out seven jackets. They might extinguish the fire because they're so concerned for their money. So therefore, I'd rather them just be makele and take out the jackets. Over here, okay, he won't eat his candy. Big deal. Even according to one that holds, you can't do harama. Buy a dleka, buy a fire, and wear all these j- jackets and coats and hats. Maybe I would say, When you actually wear it, if you're not wearing it for the purpose of clothing, then you're carrying it. Now, if I'm carrying it, I'm actually doing derech What's the way to carry a jacket? By wearing it. So that will be usher deraisa if you're not wearing it for the right reason. Over here, when a person puts a nut in the, in the clothing and he's, you, you tie it together and you make and you fasten a beged, even if you're doing it as a shtick, at worst, you're not going to violate an Isra Deraisa because you're not carrying it in your hand. That would be the typical way to carry a nut. Aim a shopper dummy. I would say it's mutter. You could, in fact, do a harama and bring out the nut like that in your jacket. And the Gemara says, Teku, we'll leave it for Tishbi Yitaritz, Kushas Vaboyas. We'll leave it for a later time when we'll understand the answer to this question. Okay, Yashir Koyach.